it was a question asked by Pilate of an angry mob some 2,000 years ago. He stood before their faces and asked, What will you do with Jesus, who is called the Christ? The answer that they would give would change all of eternity. Is they would in unison cry with a loud voice and say, Crucify Him. Crucify Him. Have Him to be crucified. Although this be a question of old, it is likewise a question of the ages. It is a question that ought to be seen as being a personal question because, you see, this question cannot be answered by your friends, by your family members, not even by a spouse, a parent, a child. It's a question that you must answer all on your own. Not only is it a personal question, it is a pertinent question. We're not asking you here today what you think of some sports figure what you would have to say about some TV or movie star, but yea, what you would have to say about Jesus. We're not asking you to discuss some denomination. We're not asking you what you even think about the church of Jesus Christ. We're asking you what you think of the man, Jesus Christ. What will you do with Jesus? It ought to be seen as a personal question, a pertinent question, but yes, it ought to be seen as a pressing question. Because it's one that you will not only answer, but yes, you will answer it today. Whether you might choose in your mind to not speak with your mouth and answer such a question, the question, I'll assure you, will be answered today. And you have no idea whether or not that might be your final answer. Your life may end. Jesus may return. We have no idea of either of the two. So therefore this becomes a pressing question. Now when Pilate asked this question these 2,000 some odd years ago, Pilate asked the question, but he only asked it after receiving warning. There were some voices, you see, that had confronted Pilate. I consider the voice of reason. The Bible tells us, Matthew 27, 18, that Pilate knew it was for envy that they had delivered this man up to be crucified. And surely Pilate, as a Roman governor, had presided over several court cases before, had been able to make decisions, but yet in this case he chose not to decide, so he thought. And likewise, there'll be many today who will not be willing to decide but at the same time, they're making life decisions every moment. Sometimes the decisions that they make are life or death. Sometimes they're just simply life-changing, but yet we make those decisions. The voice of reason cries out. But there was yet another voice that confronted Pilate, and that was the voice of conscience. The Bible tells us, John 18, 38, that he turned to the crowd at one point and said, In him I find no fault at all. Pilate knew this man was not guilty. Don't you think Pilate's conscience would weigh upon him for the rest of his life, always wondering, considering how things could have been different if he'd only made another choice? And many of you here today, many in the world, 
They've heard the truths about Jesus Christ. They actually, to an extent, believe in their mind who He was. They know they ought to obey Him, and their conscience weighs upon their shoulders with great heaviness today. Wondering what they should do with Jesus. But then yet another voice spoke to Pilate, and that was the voice of a loved one. His own wife. She had had some form of a vision, a communication with God the night before. And the Bible tells us, Matthew 27, 19, she came to Pilate and said, Have nothing to do with this just man. But yet Pilate only ignored her. He did not heed her warning. And some of you here today have been spoken to and will be spoken to by those whom you love. They'll come to you and beg with you and plead with you to obey the gospel, to accept Jesus for who He was and do what He requires, but you may not heed those warnings. But yet the voice of loved ones speak to you. And then there was the final voice, and that was the voice of God. Old Pilate may not have totally comprehended who was before him, but the truth was that God in a body, Jesus the Christ, stood before him. And the Bible records, John 18, 37, that Jesus spoke and said these words, He that is of truth heareth my voice. Now Pilate may have wanted to be perceived as being an honest and truthful man, but in this case he simply was not. And some of you today are hearing the voices of God. Not in a literal sense, but through His Word. You've read, you've studied the Scriptures, you've heard many a sermon, a Bible class, many a person has come to you and encouraged you to do what God requires, but you're not hearing that voice, not as you ought. You're not obeying it. When Pilate was confronted by those voices, he couldn't really hear them, he couldn't really obey them because there were values that controlled Pilate. You think about this man who stood to make this decision. He was a man who was controlled by the value of public opinion. As the crowd stood before him and cried out, John 18, 14, verses 38 and 39, crucify this man, crucify him. Pilate took heed to that. Pilate wanted to go with the crowd. He wanted to do what everybody else was doing. And some of you here today will be controlled by that. You're afraid of, you're worried about what the world may say, what they may think of you if you were to obey the gospel or perhaps even live it. If you were to try to stand as an example to contend for the faith of Jesus Christ in a crowd, you might be mocked, you might be scorned, and you're afraid. Pilate was controlled by the public. Pilate was controlled by position and possession. Pilate was the Roman governor, friend. He didn't get to that position in life by being a fool. Surely he had great riches. Surely he had much wealth. But when it came down to it, irregardless of what any other one would say, irregardless of the instruction he had been given from God, from his family, from conscience, from reason, Pilate would rather hold on to the things of this life than set forth a mansion in another life. There are some today who ought to be Christians, who ought to live faithful Christian lives, who will not. Because in order to do so, they're going to have to let go of some of those things. 
Or they're going to have to deny themselves certain positions in the, in the workplace because those positions cannot be performed by such a child of God's. And then Pilate was controlled most of all by pride. Pilate was an egotist. The Bible tells us in John 19 and 10, to paraphrase it, he stood before Jesus, looked him in the eye and said, Don't you know who I am? Why won't you speak to me? I'm the one who could decide whether to crucify you or not. Give me your answer. And some men, because of pride, because they've lived their whole lives a certain way, because they're afraid that if they walk away from their former faiths, their former denominational groups, they'll be shunned. They're too proud of their accomplishments in those areas. But friend, there was not only the voices that confronted Pilate. There were the values that controlled him. There was the verdict that would condemn him. As Pilate allowed the crowd to cry out for him to be crucified, as he then offered them Barabbas and yet was denied, Pilate finally agreed, yes, we'll set these things in order. This man will be condemned, Pilate decided. All the while just simply agreeing with what the majority was saying. Pilate then turned in a mock ceremony and attempted to literally wash his hands in a small basin of water, supposedly relieving himself of all the burden, of all the sin, of all the wrongdoing that was done. But Pilate had made a fateful mistake. Surely Pilate was not the one who spat in the face of Jesus. Perhaps Pilate was not the one who took the club and smite Jesus on the cheek. Pilate was not the one who pulled the scourge and laid it across his back and tore that flesh from its bones. Pilate was not the one who pulled the hairs from the beard of Christ. Pilate would not stand over him and drive those searing spikes through his wrist and through his feet. Pilate would not lift that cross and drop it into the hole with a thump. But Pilate's decision not to decide will be the worst decision he'd ever make. And in a true sense, as Jesus stood before Pilate, Jesus was in the hands of Pilate. But friend, there will be a day when Pilate will stand before Jesus and will be in his hands. What will Jesus do with Pilate? As sure as I stand here today, the decision I make with what to do with Jesus. Jesus is standing before me. He's in my hands. And likewise, one day I too will be in His. Now I want to do something with you today that's a bit different. We know the mockery of that kangaroo court that would occur on that faithful night. We know the atrocity of evil that was done. And so what I want to do with you today is to recreate that court scene. To put Jesus on trial one more time and allow us in modern times to give our answer. I want to call for Jesus to stand in the box of the accused at the same time calling witnesses to the stand. Those who could tell us what they think of the Christ. What we should do with Him. And I want you as an audience, myself included, to stand as members of the jury and to make decision on what we should do with Jesus based upon their testimony.
their testimonies will be true. Their testimonies will be taken right out of the awe-inspiring Word of God, the Scriptures, and we'll make a decision based upon them. And as we begin to enter this court session, I want to call before you several witnesses, at least several groups of witnesses. I'd first like to call before you the witness of his friends. And at the top of that list, I want to call this morning John the Baptist, John the Baptizer. He was a a cousin of Jesus. He knew him personally. He was a blood kin, at least through his own mother. And John the Baptist was a forerunner of his who had gone about preaching and teaching to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So John, if you would, take the stand. And we ask of you, John, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? See, John, as he nods in agreement. Now we ask you, John, what think ye of Christ? What should we do with Jesus? Now hear the words of John. It's recorded, John 1.29, as he says, Behold the Lamb of God, who taketh away the sins of the world. Thank you, John. We appreciate that testimony. Much insight has been given. You can have a seat. Now I call before you yet another witness. A man by the name of Peter. We might consider him impetuous Peter. A man who would always say what's on his mind. Peter, I bring you here to this stand and I ask you, do you swear to tell the whole truth? Nothing but? See Peter's answer as he says yes. Now I ask of you, Peter, what think you of Christ? What should we do with Jesus, Peter? Hear the words of Peter, Mark 16, 16, as he says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of God. Thank you, Peter. You've given us much information about this man. You say he was the Son of God. You may have a seat. Now I call before you even yet another witness. Another man named John, but this time, John the Apostle. John, you're a deep thinker. John, you're a wise man. You, you love Jesus dearly. Tell us, what think you of Christ? What should we do with Jesus? Hear the words of John, John 1.14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Thank you, John. Again, we appreciate that testimony, this word that became flesh. This was God, correct? John said yes. You may have a seat. Now I call yet another witness. I call before you today the Apostle Paul. A man who, if he were to be living today, would have the equivalent of a triple Ph.D. A very wise man, had much education, a man who spoke several languages fluently. We ask you, Paul, what think you of Christ? What should we do with Jesus? Hear the words of Paul, Colossians 1.15, as he says, This is the image of the invisible God. Thank you, Paul. We appreciate that testimony. You may have a seat. 
Someone says, well, you've called all of these men folk. Why don't you call a woman? Why don't you call a female? Someone who likewise knew Christ, okay? I call them before you marry. Mary, you and your sister Martha, your brother Lazarus, you received Christ into your home on several occasions. Mary, what do you think about the Christ? Hear the words of Mary, John eleven twenty seven, and she says, I believe you are the Son of God. Thank you, Mary. Again, you have agreed with others, but yet have given your own insight, your own testimony. You may likewise have a seat. Now I want to do something that is unprecedented, unheard of in an earthly court. And that is, I want to call before you an angel. One come down from heaven to give us true testimony of who this man was. Angel? Do you agree? Do you swear to tell the truth and the whole truth? If so, answer the question. What think you of Christ? What should we do with Jesus, angel? Hear the words of the angel, Matthew 1, 21, as he says, For he shall save his people from their sins. Thank you, angel. What a fine testimony. Good to know that Jesus Christ would have such capability. Do I hear someone complaining? Do I hear someone now beginning to mumble and say, well, you've called his friends, you've given us the testimony of friends, but surely a friend would stand for him. Why don't you call some of his enemies? Okay. I now present to you the witness of his foes. And I call to begin with perhaps one of his greatest enemies, and that was the Pharisees. I call a Pharisee to the stand. Pharisee, do you all likewise, do you also swear to tell the truth, nothing but? If so, answer me the question, what thank you of Christ? What should we do with Jesus? Hear the Pharisee, John eleven forty seven, as he says, This man doth many miracles. But, O oh, Pharisee, weren't those only tricks? Wasn't it just a sleight of hand, a trick of the eye? Oh no, this man doth many a miracle. Thank you, Pharisee. You've obviously been honest and truthful, even though your spite and your hatred for this individual might be great. You may have a seat. Now we call another foe by the name of Caiaphas. Caiaphas, you had opportunity to judge Jesus in your courtroom. You chose not to do so, but nevertheless, he was there. Caiaphas... Having weighed all the evidence before seen, having seen the outcome at this point, Caiaphas, what think you of Christ? Hear the words of Matthew 26, 63, as Caiaphas said, He claims to be the Son of God. Thank you, Caiaphas. You may be seated. Now I call even another witness. Now I call the witness of a thief. An insurrectionist, one who in that day was adjudicated worthy of crucifixion. Perhaps even a murderer. Thief, you hung there on the cross beside Christ for those six fateful hours. You knew Him to an extent. You heard Him cry out. You heard His pain. 
You saw the agony. You saw the difficulties that were there. You likewise were suffering the same. Thief, what think you of Christ? What should we do with Jesus? Hear the words of the thief. Luke 23, 41. This man hath done nothing amiss. Thank you, thief. We appreciate your testimony today. Have a seat. Now I call before you another man named Judas. Judas the man who was a friend of Christ for nearly three years, but yet there at the end, for a small cost of 30 pieces of silver, would deny the Christ. Judas, you led the Roman soldiers, did you not, in the garden on that fateful night. You kissed him on the cheek, had him to be crucified. But Judas, knowing all that you know now, what think you of Christ? What should we do with Jesus? Judas, hear the words of Judas, Matthew 27, 4. As he with tears in his eyes says, I have betrayed innocent blood. Thank you, Judas. What an unfortunate end you had. Return to the pit of hell. Now I call before you yet another witness. I call one of the Roman soldiers. Perhaps one of the men who drove the spikes into his hands or feet. Perhaps the one who would pierce his side. At the very least, one who was at the foot of the cross and would divide his clothing. Roman soldier, I ask you what think you of Christ. What should we do with Jesus? Hear that Roman soldier, Matthew 27, 54, as he stands and cries in the darkness, Truly this was the Son of God. Thank you, soldier. Again, we appreciate your testimony. Now someone says, well, you've called his friends. You've called some foes. You've called male and you've called female, but you called an angel. Why don't you call a demon out of the pit of hell, okay? I call now a demon from hell. Demon, I understand it's out of your character, but we ask you, do you promise to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but, so help you God? See the demon shaking his head in agreement? Now we ask you, demon, what think ye of Christ? What should we do with Jesus, demon? Hear the words of the demon, Luke 4, 34, as he says, Thou art the Holy One of God. Thank you, demon. I know that was difficult, but yet honest. You might have a seat. We've heard the witness of his friends. Yea, we've even heard the witness of his foes, but there's one witness we'd like to call today of far greater importance. I now call before you the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court of the universe. I call God to the stand. Now you may ask, why do we hear from God? Surely if Jesus was God, if they were one and the same, surely the witness would be no different. Friend, I direct your minds to 1 John 5 and verse 9, which simply states, if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. 
We've heard the witness of men. Some have already accepted those witnesses. And therefore God deserves a chance. So now we ask God. God, what think ye of Christ? What should we do with Jesus? And hear the words of God, Matthew 3, 17. As he calls down from heaven and says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Won't you decide today? If God were asked today if Jesus were guilty of any crime, surely the answer he might give would be something like this. Christ is only guilty of loving mankind too much. He therefore is guilty of love in the first degree. What will you do with Jesus today? You've heard the witnesses of his friends. We've heard from the foes. And now we hear from the Father. What will you do with Jesus? What think you of the Christ? You like Pilate. You can try to make a decision today not to decide. But you, like Pilate, will be making the worst decision of all. You may choose today not to make a choice. But you will be choosing a choice that would lead you unto eternal damnation. You, through your refusal will be in essence denying the Christ. Again, Christ says in Matthew 12 and 30, He who is not with me is against me. You must choose today. Now what are some of your choices? Why, you can choose to crown or crucify. You can choose to accept or reject. You might choose to confess or deny, but friend, you cannot ignore Him. You're choosing right now. If you've not yet obeyed the gospel, then at this point, your choice has been set. If you died this very moment, friend, you would have chosen otherwise and therefore would be rejecting Christ. But friend, provided you have the time in the next few moments, you could because of your hearing the gospel that's been preached, because of you believing that with all your heart, being willing to rely upon it, lean upon it through your faith, you could then repent of your sins. All of these men are listed. These were men who were all sinners, whether they be friends or foes. All save God were sinners. But yet all their testimonies would ring true. And I will assure you today, all of these men have answered correctly. 
And if they were to have this second trial, this second opportunity in which to speak, they would all cry and say, do not crucify Him. Believe who He is. And they would be repenting even this very moment. But if you would repent of your sins, then you could confess as these men have that this was the Son of God. This was the Savior that was sent to this earth. And you would have no problem being baptized in water. To come in contact with that blood for the remission of your sins. You would do that today because you would be hearing these great witnesses. And you would be making your final choice. But perhaps you're here this morning and you've obeyed the gospel. And you say, well I've already thought about what I would do with Christ and I've already done it. I ask you now, what are you doing with Jesus this very moment? Are you living the life He expects you to live? Are you living the life He requires? If not, why not? If there's sin in your life, again, you've rejected Jesus for all purposes, won't you come home through prayer, through repenting of those sins? Won't you ask Jesus to forgive you? Likewise, if those things be public, won't you allow us as a congregation to offer a great hand of forgiveness to you? What will you do with Jesus? The choice is yours while together we stand and as we sing.